Will you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus Christ, please be our guest, our morning joy, and our evening rest. And with this weekly word in part, your grace and truth into our hearts. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Please be seated. So there I was, in a tube, at the top of the Super Loop water slide, awaiting my demise. I knew why I was there. It was basically a dare on the part of my three sons, Riley, Aiden, and Ethan. I was also there to show to the rest of the onlookers that a middle-aged guy could still muster up the courage and do the courageous thing, do the near impossible if he had to. I was also there because I saw an eight-year-old go down the slide before me, and if she could do it, then, well, I could do it too, right? And as I was standing on top of the trap door in that tube, I was looking out across the way, waiting for my turn, and I saw these fields of green all set before me, and the town of Frankenmuth in the distance, and I thought to myself, wow, that's a really nice view. And then I kept thinking, why am I doing this again? So this is how it ends for me. At Zender's Splash Village. And then the countdown ensues. The boys start laughing and smiling. They can hardly contain their excitement. My anxiety starts rising. And I'm getting nervous and, and more scared. Three, two, one. Excruciating pause. As I start to think, when is this thing going to drop? There it goes. Now, just before the drop, the lifeguard told me to cross my arms over my chest and cross my legs. Peculiar instructions for what is supposed to be an enjoyable experience, I thought to myself. And as I'm dropping down this 40-foot free fall, all of a sudden my legs become uncrossed. And I'm thinking to myself, oh no, my legs are uncrossed. I'm breaking the rules. What is this going to mean for me? What consequences will there be? And so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to cross my legs, but I keep banking left and banking left. And the G-forces come and I'm banking left and I still don't have my legs crossed. And then as we straighten out, whoosh, another drop and water up the nose. That felt great. And then to end it all, we come into the, the, the lane where, where you end the ride and there's this massive wave causing a massive wedgie. <laughs> As I came to my senses and got my bearings, I thought to myself, why am I doing this again? What just happened? And this is supposed to be fun, right? So... Water slide ride done, I athletically spring up out of the slide and kind of walk around like this, like, did you see that? How was that, yeah? You know, not, not wanting to communicate any weakness to anyone, to any onlookers. And then one by one, the Hubbard boys come down the slide. Swoosh, swoosh, swoosh. Dad, that was awesome. Dad, that was amazing. Dad, can we do it again? And as we make our way up that staircase one more time, the boys are doing their play-by-play of their water slide experience. And I thought to myself, this is interesting. What to them was entertaining and exciting and exhilarating, 
to me was intimidating and a little bit kind of like torture. Why the difference in this experience? I'll tell you what, we'll get back to that question later. We did have a, a wonderful time at the water park. It was a memorable day for the Hubbard family back in August, and we were grateful for the opportunity. We hope to go back again sometime, but I doubt I'll be in the tube for the <laughs> super loop water slide again. I think my water slide experience is similar to the experience that many of us have had from this past year, 2020. Kind of how it's felt. We didn't know when this thing was going to start. We didn't know when this thing was going to end. And it just seemed like no matter what we did, no matter how we positioned ourselves or the accommodations or adjustments we made along the way, it just kept twisting and turning on us. And wave after wave would come and crash into us. Think with me for a moment. Consider this past year what we've experienced. The global pandemic and the spread of the coronavirus. The death of George Floyd and racial injustice and tension in America. We think about natural disasters in the form of hurricanes down south or wildfires out west. Social distancing, wearing masks, sheltering in place. And then that surge of online media, working from home, learning from home, ordering products from home. And then, of course, social media and what it brings, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then last but not least, the presidential election of 2020 and the ensuing lawsuits. Talk about a wild ride into Wedgieville. The difference is that the water slide ride lasts just seven seconds. But we are still in 2020, still on this wild ride. And with the sudden surge in COVID-19 cases statewide and nationwide, we anticipate more sudden stops, more wicked curves, and more close calls ahead. Think with me for a moment. Eight months ago, we, we really didn't know too many people who came into contact with the coronavirus. And now, each of us knows someone who's had it. Not only that, some of us have had to quarantine because of that close contact, and tragically, some of us have lost a loved one because of COVID-19. And we keep praying for God to do something about this virus, and we keep wondering when that time will be. Now, I believe that we as human beings can withstand a lot when crises come our way. We can look within ourselves and, and muster the courage and the stamina and the fortitude to withstand intense moments of pain or problems. But when the circumstances or situations do not resolve and the pain and problems continue, it can challenge every aspect of life. Think about the last eight months. How was your personal well-being? Or how was your health? Did you have any conflict or tense moments in your marriage or in your family dynamic, sheltering in place all that time? Or perhaps learning from home, depending on your context. How was your work performance? Was it the same as usual? How are those grades in school? 
And even our relationship with God can be impacted when pain and problems persist. We start to doubt. We we get into this mode of despair. We start getting tempted by that old Adam, that old sinful nature that tempts us to think, hmm, maybe God can't deliver us in our times of need like he said he would. Even our relationship with God can be strained. In short, when pain and problems persist, we need a source outside of ourselves to save us from our situation and circumstance. I feel a sermon coming on. Thanks be to God for his historic word. Thanks be to God for his encouraging church. And thanks be to God for his invitation to worship. First, let's consider God's word. God's word reminds us that pandemics, racial injustice, and politics have all plagued human beings throughout history. And God's words also reminds us that time and time again, no matter what the situation or circumstances for God's people, he's acted, he's done something about it, and he's saved a remnant. He's reserved a remnant and provided for them in their time of need and restored his covenant relationship with them. Whether it was they that did wrong or another nation that did wrong. God reserved a remnant and kept his promise to his people and then maintained that line of salvation that would ultimately lead to Jesus. Consider his church, God's church, the body of believers in Jesus all over the world and each local expression of faith like our congregation here at St. Lawrence. His church encourages us as we endure these hardships together. As the adage goes, misery does love company. But what's more, as God's people, we have this opportunity, we have this privilege, we have this calling as God's people to offer a listening ear and a loving heart and a gentle leading back to the presence and power and provision of our Lord. That's what the church ought to be for one another when pain and problems persist. That's what the church gets to be in the midst of pandemics and politics and racial injustice and riots and natural disasters and dysfunctional relationships. That's what God's calling us to be for one another. A listening ear, a loving heart, and a gentle leading back to the promises of our Lord. Finally, God's invitation to worship positions us as God's people to place our problems in the proper perspective because when we worship, our view of God is magnified. Our relationship with God is justified. And our view of the pain and problems that we experience in this life is brought into proper perspective. The bigger God gets in worship, the smaller our problems become because we understand better who God is, who we are in relationship to God, his love for us in Christ, and his promises for us for the future. One of those promises comes to us in one of the scripture readings that was shared earlier. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
a famous discourse by the Apostle Paul on the resurrection of Jesus. And we'll remember the Apostle Paul because he had kind of a wild ride into missionary ministry being called by Jesus on the road to Damascus in that visually stunning and vocationally challenging call into the ministry. Paul is blinded by the light of Jesus literally and figuratively. And Christ would change not only Paul's relationship with the Lord, but also the work that he was going to do as he gets set to minister to the needs of the Gentiles and connect more and more people to Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen for them. This former prosecutor turned apologist for the Christian faith would pen some of the most powerful statements of hope regarding the resurrection of Jesus and also the resurrection power that is available and accessible to all those who have received saving faith in Christ and continue to place their hope and trust in him. And that powerful promise is this. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Having been baptized into Christ, as the Apostle Paul reminds us elsewhere in Romans chapter 6, for example, we are baptized into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That means we are connected to Jesus in a special, supernatural, and significant way. So that what has happened to Jesus in his life will happen to us. Christ goes first, and we follow in his footsteps. Jesus was born. He lived his life. He ministered here on earth. He died on the cross, but then he came back to life on Easter Sunday morning. So too, you've been born. You've been baptized into Christ. You will live your life. You will participate in ministry in this time and place. One day when the time is right, you will die. You will pass away. But that won't be the end of you. Because Jesus lives, you will live too. You will rise again. That is the promise that God is making to you through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the promise we receive today. Friends, even though we deserve only death and eternal separation from God because of our sin, we're reminded of the steadfast love and faithfulness of our God. He demonstrates his grace and mercy to us through his son Jesus. And he also reveals his power over sin, death, and Satan and its hold on us. God makes this plain to us through the giving of his son, Jesus Christ. And it's Christ who makes us alive in him. I can't help but wonder if, <clears throat> if we're in God's word, if we're surrounded by his people, and if we're active and involved in worship, would those faith-fortifying activities change our perspective when the pain and problems come our way. And more to the point, when the evil and suffering of this life remain and continue to hammer us and hurt us and harm those we love, does the fact that we have been made alive in Christ change our perspective when pain and problems come our way? I believe it does. To be sure, pain and problems are unpleasant and very few of us would like to repeat the events of 2020 again. 
But as God leads us to these crises and sees us through these crises, being fortified by God's word, being encouraged by his people, and giving an alternate and proper perspective from worship, all serve to give us an overwhelming and incredible sense of peace, confidence, and hope because we are safe and secure with Jesus, even in the midst of troubling times. Now, what does that mean for us living here and now, enduring the expanse of COVID-19 in the aftermath of a presidential election and still wondering about relationships with other people of different races and ethnicities? What that means for you and for me here and now is that you can uncross your arms. You can relax your legs. And you can be at peace, even in the midst of this wild ride that we call 2020, because Jesus wraps himself around you in holy baptism and connects with you through holy baptism and endures the twists and the turns, the G-force curves and the sudden drops that this life will provide. And he promises to be with you, to never let go of you, all the way to the other side. For some, that has already happened this year, and they've received that crown of glory that God has promised them. For some, they are experiencing that place that Christ has gone ahead of them and prepared just for them. They are in heaven receiving that promise. For the rest of us on this wild ride of 2020, there might be more waves of pain and problems down the way, but we have a Savior who's gone ahead of us, who's endured much of what we have endured in this life, even death, and who's also given us a preferred vision for the future, a vision of a new heaven and a new earth. And a new heaven and a new earth means no more pandemic, no more politics, no more natural disasters, no more dysfunctional relationships. A new heaven and a new earth mean a new relationship with God and restored relationships with one another. As we are baptized into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the old Adam of doubt, despair, and fear of death is drowned so that no matter what may come in this life, we can live and love and relate with one another in peace because we are safe and secure in Jesus. As in Adam, all die. So in Christ, all will be made alive. If you have not received this promise, believe it. Believe it this morning and enjoy the comfort and confidence it brings. If you have received this promise, if you do believe it, then share it with others because we're surrounded by a world that's in need of hope, in need of peace, and in need of the comfort that this message of Jesus can bring to them. As in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And because of that, even at the end of 2020, we can still show people how beautiful it is to live with Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.